intro music was provided by the Beach Junkies. Welcome to Subconsciously Speaking, a podcast where we will be talking about anything from political issues to current events or and social issues, anything that we find interesting. First-time podcasters Raneem and myself, Nicholas, will be talking about social justice warriors, political correctness, and things related to that this week. I hope you enjoy. In October 2015, Professor Erica Christakis issued an email in response to Yale University's request for politically correct Halloween costumes. Recently, Laurentian neuroscience professor Dr. Michael Persinger was suspended over a statement of understanding that he asked his students to sign, containing the warning of his use of profanity in his psychology course. From the new social justice warriors to the bureaucracy of universities, it seems that freedom of speech is under siege. Hello, this is the podcast, Subconsciously Speaking. Welcome. We will be discussing political matters, social matters, and pretty much anything that interests us, which is mainly me, the host of the podcast. My name is Nicholas Nicolau. I am a university student at the University of Toronto studying philosophy mainly and also minoring in political science and English literature. And with me is my co-host, Raneem Tully. Hi, good afternoon, everybody. This is Raneem. Um, I am a recent graduate from the University of Toronto, Scarborough campus. I majored in political science, sociology, and anthropology. And I am very excited to be starting this podcast with my host, main host, Nicholas Nicolau. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Raneem. Good afternoon, Raneem. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing fantastic. So, tell me what this is all about. So, yeah, we'll just to start with a little bit of background information. So, Yale University in October of 2015, which is just a few months ago, it is currently January 2016, they issued an email asking their students to be, to consider their Halloween costumes and to try to pick politically correct um, Halloween costumes because of recent issues that students have had with um, political correctness. Oh yeah, you're talking about those social social justice warriors. Yeah, social justice warriors. Also, just 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 in general, uh, a few students were they have noticed that there's a new, um, I guess, uh, there's this new idea of um, cultural appropriation, which is not a new idea, but there's been a lot of um, focus on this in in recent times. So they issued a they issued a an email. Um, to ask students to consider that. Well, yeah, I mean, I've I've been reading a lot about cultural appropriation, uh, especially recently. I remember last year, I think uh, there was a famous um, white actress that portrayed herself as one of the characters, the black characters from um, what's the show called? Orange is the New Black, and she got a lot of backlash about it because people were telling her that it wasn't really cool that mm-hmm. she she painted herself darker to appear as um, a black body and that she was appropriating black culture because she got cornrows done or something to her hair. Um, See, I I do find that slightly problematic, but I think that these social justice warriors are definitely blowing it out of proportion. Yeah, well, okay, well, not just the social justice warriors. In general, when when we're thinking about problems like this, there is a line that can be crossed, and a lot of um, times people that disagree with with this new left that is 
extremely concerned with these matters, um, they start discussing how arbitrary the line is. And I don't think it's that arbitrary. I think there's there's a sen- there's a common sense factor of when you can decide whether or not your activity is appropriate or inappropriate. Like painting your f- painting um your your face black. I think that would count as cultural appropriation. I wouldn't well, be very well, pleased about that. Painting your face black considering black bodies have been marginalized for hundreds and hundreds of years. Well, painting your face black isn't cultural appropriation. That's just full blown racism. It is racism. So like racism question, is a problem. Cultural appropriation within reason isn't as problematic as some of these um some of these um people think it is. I think what the problem is is that people have blurred the lines between racism and cultural appropriation and seem to mix the two. What What is the line? Where's the line drawn? Mm-hmm. How would you define each one, for instance? Yeah, well, before we unpack that, I just want to take a few steps back and discuss um, some of the cases I was just um, mentioning. So first, I, I want to talk about the Yale case that I, that, that I was talking about in the beginning. Um, with uh, Professor Erica Christakis. Um, she composed an email uh, asking the community at Yale University to to look at this request and question it a little bit um, with the idea of freedom of expression. If you want to f- freely express yourself, you should consider um, that anyone could be offended from anything that you do. And you have you have the right to be offended. You, if you if you if your actions offend someone within reason, then that's okay. Is what you which is what she was trying to say. So just to snap a small quote from email, I'm reading this off uh, the Atlantic website um, on a on an article concerning this matter. Uh, she says, "I wonder." if we should reflect more transparently as a community on the consequences of an institutional, bureaucratic, and administrative exercise of implied control over college students. So the idea is, should the colleges control what students do? Or should students be able to make their own decisions about what Halloween Halloween costumes they want to wear and how they want to portray themselves um, uh, when they when they choose to dress up for that? Um, and I think it's a, I think it's a very important for for this to be considered. Um, at what point do we do we stop? At, what is the what is the line that we draw of how freely one wants to express themselves, and how far they they, they are able to take it before they offend someone? Excellent question, Nick. Now let me give you an example, and I and I want to hear your opinion on this. On Halloween, how comfortable would you be with someone dressing as Adolf Hitler? Personally, uh, very few things offend me. Um, I don't care if somebody appropriates my own culture by dressing up as a belly dancer. I find it beautiful. Adolf Hitler wouldn't be the greatest example because that would show a side to somebody that could be extremely dangerous. Mm. Um, I would not be supportive of an Adolf Hitler (laughs) costume. But well, the question isn't whether or not you support it or not. Um, do you think that an institution should disallow 
a student to dress up as Adolf Hitler if he chose to. I don't think anybody should be repressed from doing anything that they don't want to be doing or that they don't want to be doing. Well, that's an interesting point right there. So I think we could both agree, and every listener listening to this could agree, that Adolf Hitler is one of the most, I guess, regressive and violent individuals in history individuals in in modern history at least um we've had obviously instances of genghis khan and 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 other ancient figures who were extremely violent who have body counts that are that are just grotesque and but but in 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 the in the past hundred years adolf hitler is definitely the image that we have of all that is uh, the uh, all that is violent and embodiment of evil the, the embodiment of evil um and if one were to dress like Adolf Hitler for Halloween as some kind of joke, um, if one were to do that and pass by um, even a Jewish study group or a Jewish group on Jewish group on campus, it would be disgusting for that person to do that. But I think that the students in this case would demonize that student. Um, his freedom of expression would offend so many students gravely that he would just be, like, like, like he would be marginalized. We just wouldn't consider. No one would ever take him serious. They would call him out. Well, yeah, no one would ever take him serious. Um, if it gets to a point, like Adolf Hitler, though, like dressing like that, and I'm using the most extreme example I could think of, I think the university may have grounds to maybe do maybe ask him not to wear it or to reconsider it, give him some kind of a warning. Um, when it comes to that, just because of of the recent memory that students may have, students that might be students that had grandparents in concentration camps, for example, it could become an extremely uh, difficult situation to deal with. It is a, definitely a very sensitive issue to touch on, uh, dressed as Adolf Hitler. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would want to punch the person in the face if they saw somebody dressed like that. Well, well yeah. No, and that's the, that's. I think that's the double, I guess that's the problem with disallowing people to, to express themselves is mm-hmm. you're disallowing bad people to badly express themselves, Right. I would, I would rather why, know. Why would you assume that the person is bad if they're dressing as something? Usually when you're dressing as someone, it's because you're trying to take on an entirely new identity. That's well, Halloween. Well, yeah, but if someone were to dress as Adolf Hitler, then they're just not taking seri- They're just not taking history seriously. But do you think that makes them a bad person? Do you think yes. that they're oh, yes, trying absolutely. to embody all that Adolf no, Hitler if, is? No, if you if you just like Adolf, Adolf Hitler for Halloween, you are a bad person. Like, you, you are completely disregarding... Um, the atrocities that he that he committed or if you're not disregarding it you're promoting it you're basically saying that it's okay the only thing worse than holocaust deniers are people that are so racist that deny the holocaust and then said if i had the chance to do it i'd do it even better you know i'd completely eradicate jewish people or something like, like i've something heard i've heard like that. that said by a few people and it's appalled yes me. yes that's that's that's, appalling. that's a sentiment that that that, <clears throat> that that goes around in certain communities we won't discuss that today mm-hmm. um there's definitely some some unrest in the middle east that we can stuck that we could discuss in future episodes but we won't cover that just yet but there there are people that are horrendously racist and if you allow freedom of expression you allow these people to express themselves, which, which in turn, um, allows you to 
weed out who who you can take seriously and who you, you cannot take seriously if people with extremely offensive ideas don't have that freedom to express then you wouldn't know who has these ideas who who holds these who holds these as their as a as their values and that's i think that's a i think that's very problematic the only reason why you'd want to why you'd want to why you'd want to regulate the action of students and the action and how offensive students can be with Halloween costumes or what they say, what they say in lectures and anything like that is um, you're trying to protect other students from getting their feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know how productive that um, that practice could be. Arunia, I want to hear your opinion on this a little more about, about um, not about political correctness just yet, but about... The culture of offendedness, as Salman Rushdie puts it. <laughs> well, if you, could, if you could validate that quote. Okay, absolutely. So, um, you know, prize-winning author Salman Rushdie spoke out against a new culture of offendedness, and I put that in parentheses, or quotes, actually saying that people are increasingly defining themselves by by hate and by fear. Do you understand? Please, like, elaborate a little bit more on that. I I just want to unpack that a little little more about about that quote you just referenced. And before you do that, could you tell me a little bit more about this author? So, Salman Rushdie, um, and this is me quoting what he's saying from uh, The Independent. It's an online article. He says, classically, we have defined ourselves by the things we love, by the place which is our home, by our family, by our friends. But in this age, we're asked to define ourselves by hate. That's what defines you, is what pisses you off. And if nothing pisses you off, who are you? Mm -hmm. So basically, what he's trying to say is that if you're not angry, then you're not doing something right. Then you're idle, you're passive. You're not fighting for the world. You're not fighting for humanity. You're not fighting for all that is right. So we have programmed ourselves to become offended by every little thing. Cultural appropriation is one of them. Racism is another. Racism obviously is a big, real, problematic issue. But then again, people get offended by the word fuck. Yeah, well, before we get into uh, profanity, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, um, I want to talk about what you just said about how we're offended from racism, how racism is a big problem. I'll agree, racism is a horrific problem, um, especially recently with uh, police brutality in the United States and and all the cases we saw there. But how big of a problem is racism on a university campus? Now, I wanna I wanna speak to both of our experiences. For the, for the listeners who don't know, Rinim and I attended the same university, the university that I still attend, the University of Toronto at Scarborough, which is a very diverse university, culturally di- culturally diverse university. In any course you could take, if you look in any lecture hall, you will see... People from all backgrounds. You will see a number of people from... Visibly, you'll see a number of people from different backgrounds, from any background. I've met people on my campus from any anywhere on the globe... Areas I've never even heard of. <laughs> yeah, people of of South Asian, South so Southeast Asian descent, people of East Asian descent, 
people. I've met students from Australia. I've met Beautiful, students from Malaysia. Mm-hmm. I've met a number of African students, Caribbean students. I've met students that are visiting for, from the United States. I've taken courses up um, in University of Toronto. I just met students from all over the globe, various places in Europe uh, as well. So it's a very culturally diverse atmosphere. And I just, first I want to ask Raneem, um, what was your experience of racism in the university, if you did experience any racism, um, when it comes to your background or, or other things that you, other people that you've seen on campus? So I'll give a brief uh <laughs> insight into my background. I'm a Lebanese Syrian Armenian and I grew up in the Middle East. So I I come from a culturally diverse background and I've lived in different countries in the world to be able to see um, and experience racism from a first person perspective in Canada because of how ethnically diverse um, everyone is and because of the culture of acceptance and tolerance that we have and multiculturalism. People have never been directly racist towards me, albeit one or two cases of ignorance, but it's more like a joke. I've never directly experienced racism um, through somebody, but I've heard some very offensive things said about Arabs and Muslims, out of which um, I identify with. I'm not a Muslim, but I'm Arab, and people seem to mix the two together, so they always assume I'm Arab and Muslim. Oh, well, and when you say you're not Muslim, you weren't previous Muslim. You weren't a previous. I've never uh, been a Muslim. Muslim. You you came from a born from a Christian household. Yeah, from yes. a Christian Christian. Um, I ab- am, however, um, non-religious, very secular in uh, my thoughts and my beliefs. Yeah, but in in the Middle East, um, even if you're secular, um, from my understanding, I never lived in the Middle East, but I've heard this from various people that have. Um, your religion is a part of your, your identity. Your religion religion becomes highly institutionalized in the Middle East. So well, whether or not it's institutionalized, um, I guess through institutionalization, it becomes a part of your identity. It does become part of your identity. So growing up as um, being born in a in a Maronite Catholic family that like like you were would um, would change your status. I would assume politically in the Middle East. Um, it does. It placed me at a disadvantage, if anything. Okay. Well, whether or not it placed you at a disadvantage, it, I just want to point out that it does Effect. become a part of your identity. Absolutely. Is um, I agree. Is, is what I'm what I'm pointing out. And my background, I'm I'm Greek Cypriot, definitely not a visible minority. Um. Uh, I am considered, I guess, in most circles, as a white person. As ridiculous as because you have passing white privilege. <laughs> oh yeah, um, so I'm considered a white person, I guess. Um, I'm uh, I'm slightly darker than the average person from an Anglo background. I'm Mediterranean. I have a lot of features that people people have asked me before if I'm from the Middle East, um, from Arabic. Um, Cyprus is geographically in the Middle East, so it's not surprising for Cypriots. Thirty minutes away from Lebanon. <laughs> yeah, um, via plane does. 30 minutes Beirut is 30 minutes away from mm-hmm. Arnica give or take a few um, so it's not surprising that Cypriots would look um, Middle Eastern considering of considering our location and how was your experience with that growing up in Canada looking Middle Eastern as you do well I, I've never I've never experienced any type of racism but like we said I, I I could be lumped in as a white person just white privilege um, I guess I guess I bestowed white privilege. I've heard I've heard that been said to me on 
on universities. But when I want to talk about, hmm? when I want to talk about, when I talk about racism, um, and if I could introduce uh, gender issues, I think it's interesting because as a white person who is heterosexual, who is um, cisgendered, you do experience, I don't want to say backlash from the institution, but you do experience a little bit... Of skepticism? Yeah, well, you do experience students that don't come from that same position as being white and cisgendered to, I guess, question your validity when it comes to social matters. Like, um, I I once, a couple of years ago, wrote a blog post concerning feminism. And, um, and I was promoting feminism in my blog post. I do consider myself a feminist. And I got some bl- backlash from various people. Specifically non-white bodies. Well, but... Whether 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 the 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 color or not, it actually does make a difference. Well, I guess so. But but my point is, as a as a white cisgendered male, the idea was that that I'm not to speak on these matters, right? I'm taking up spaces. Space. I'm taking mm-hmm. up space from the underprivileged to to voice their opinions because because I come from a position of of white privilege, of straight privilege, of all these different privileges that apparently were bestowed on me. Um, which which was interesting because the attack had nothing to do with my validity of ideas. It had nothing to do with what I wrote. It had nothing to do with um with my my background as a student and and the education that I'm gaining um, um from university to speak eloquently about these matters, but it, it just came from who I am, who I am visibly. Um, so basically, you got backlash because of the way you look and the way you identify. Oh, yeah. So nothing to do with what you wrote, even though you're basically defending women around the world. And the backlash came from one specific woman because she said that he didn't have a right to talk about feminist issues considering he is not a female and considering that he has passing white privilege and is cisgendered. Well, not not all of those claims were, were, were made from, from the same person. But my point is that there was, there was a little bit of backlash um, from what I wrote. And um, all of those different issues kind of embodied that um that the the backlash that i did get or the or the the, the critiques that I, that, I, that i did get which doesn't bother me when i every time i write anything or i speak even this podcast i welcome critique um i ask people to criticize anything i say or anything i write but what i want people to consider is the content of the matter not not the body not me that's not 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 uh not I, the person delivering it. Well, yeah. Well, not the not the body that's delivering it. Well, obviously, my background needs to be questioned. Like, if if someone was writing an article who was who was like a right a white supremacist, you should question anything he says, he or she says. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but what? But but when when someone writes a piece about anything the most important thing is to question the content of that piece 
to question exactly what they're saying and to find um, problems with that, whether it's logical problems or or, or contextual problems. Um, that's what should be criticized. Absolutely, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Nick, you know what? I've come to think of it. When you asked me if I've experienced direct racism, no, I have not experienced direct racism, probably because um, I guess I have passing white privilege, but I have experienced a lot of... Um, where they would look at me and see that I am a cisgendered, passing white woman, even though I'm not white, and they would delegitimize my experiences and pretty much debunk everything that I had to contribute into any debate within that space because they didn't respect me because of how I looked and where I came from. Okay, well, so... I find that I find that very interesting. I do want to move away a little bit from, I guess, our victimization or anything like that, because um, I do think that, in general, we have we haven't experienced much aggression. No, we haven't. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, so. Um, so, my well, the next part of my question was not only if you've experienced it, was if you've witnessed it. When I say witnessed racism. Have you ever witnessed a student receiving any negativity due to his or her race? Yes, I uh, remember this case that happened about a year ago when I was still a student on campus. Uh, During the time where the Black Lives Matter meetings were erupting, um, when the whole uh, abuse against black bodies was happening in America by white supremacist cops, pretty much. And so this meeting was supposed to enlighten people on the victimization and racism that is occurring across North America, especially to marginalized bodies. And so two students wanted to attend the meeting because, you know, as all meetings and events, you will learn something inevitably. And they were refused entry because they were white. Okay, so that's that's interesting. That is interesting. That caused a lot of controversy on campus. Well, that, that is a very controversial um, matter. Um, that's interesting, but I was wondering if you've ever witnessed uh, visible minorities um, getting negativity, receiving negativity, experiencing racism. If you've ever witnessed that, I'm just I'm just curious. Not on campus. But I think that's because people are too afraid. I don't think it's because people are too afraid. I think people are too afraid to speak no, what they want. Well, 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 not necessarily. What I'm trying to drive at is I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think in universities, um, universities are generally left, right? Universities generally. Have, generally are generally accepting of different cultures and different backgrounds. And I think that um, that the that academics are more important than anything else. And I think um, students, I've never seen a student receive lower grades because of his or her color. Me neither. I've never seen them been disregarded in a lecture with his, with his or her questions because of color. Nor have I. Um, I've actually, I've never seen it. And I've, I've heard stories of it happening in the past 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So, Raneem, as we were just discussing 
um, when it comes to uh, racism and whether or not we've ever witnessed racism on on campus. Um, considering we did we considering that we did go to the same university, it also might be a cultural matter in Canada. Um, I know, I know there's the there definitely are areas of in Canada that must be racist. Um, Toronto is very multicultural, probably in North America one of the most multicultural hubs. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place where you where you won't experience as much racism. And I've I've. I've witnessed racism outside of campus. What can you tell us about your experiences? Um. Well, it, I I don't think it's. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of of an exact story, but I can't really think of one now. But my point is, I don't think it's that large of a problem on campuses, right? Absolutely um, not. You got to take into mind that a lot of the people that grow up, I mean, that are attending campus have grown up here uh, and have had friends from all sorts of uh, all cultural backgrounds and all walks of life. Um, so, yeah, we should take that into consideration can, as opposed to um, racism being experienced outside an academic field where um, people get interact with each other that may have not been able to interact with people of such diverse backgrounds previously, especially um, for instance, new immigrants. Yeah, but if also if you're in a in a university setting, you are more educated than someone that is not there. Um, if you're educated in in just simple biology, you know that color pigmentation on someone doesn't affect what kind of person they are. Absolutely not. Right. You know that the bi- biology of of a black person, a white person. Um, an Arab, a brown person, Asian person, it's all the same. We are all the same. We're all connected. Oh, we're not, I don't think we're all connected. I think we're all connected. I, I don't think we're all connected. <laughs> I don't have that. Uh, well, that, then we shall agree to disagree. Yeah, I'm not, I don't have that existential <laughs> opinion that we're all connected. I think we're all individuals and we form relationships with uh, other people. I don't think that, that if I meet someone for the first time, I don't think I somehow was connected to them previous to me knowing them. Um, I, I do understand the metaphorical use of we're all connected, mm-hmm. that idea, but I, I don't... I mean, th- scientifically, we do share DNA, don't we? Yeah, but... Yeah, but, uh, like, if a rock in North America has the same composition as a rock in India, for example... Who's to say they're not connected? They're, they're, they're two rocks on two different areas in the world. All right, good point. Okay, well, either way... Let's not get into uh, existential stuff. Yeah, let's not get into existentialism. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll cover that in a different different episode. We're still talking about racism and political correctness, and I guess the the, the universities um um power. So to backtrack a little bit, at what point, in your opinion, do you think a university should disallow behavior or disallow um students to uh, express themselves like? like and I don't want to express themselves because that that's that's obviously putting a euphemistic spin on it. But at, at what point? What is the threshold? I mean, OK, so I, I'm not going to talk of it, talk about it from a, an ins, a bureaucratic um, place because I, I wouldn't really know how to answer that. But as an individual, I would say that you should be able to have freedom of expression to wear what you want, say what you want. 
as long as you remain respectable and conscious to those around you. Okay, well, I know if, if I was um, put in charge um, at any point, not that I will ever be, but but hypothetically, I think a line that I would draw is direct racism, mm-hmm. right? If someone were to dress up as Adolf Hitler, um, for example, I would draw the line at that. I would, I would, I would, um, <clears throat> if the security saw someone dressed like that, I would, I would ask, um, I would tell them to ask the student to change his costume, his or her costume. Um, any sentiments that have, uh, that are directly uh, offensive. Offensive. What about, for instance, um, there seems to be a rising. Uh, interest in people who wear Native American headdresses and Native American costumes, uh, especially among people in the conscious community, for instance. What do you think of that? Do you find that okay. racist? Well, a couple of things you, you threw out. The, you threw out conscious community, which you would have to explain to me. So the conscious community, um, briefly, it's it's uh, pretty much you know people who like to get together to meditate, um, to do yoga and to practice holistic and alternative uh, uh, methods. Okay, well, um, if if within their community, within the meeting, someone would want to wear a headdress or something like that, so long as it doesn't offend anyone there, they have the freedom to do so. Yes, um, but Halloween costumes, you, you see a rising prevalence in that. Yeah, so, uh, well, it's interesting you say that. I personally don't see a rising... Um, prevalence in, in headdresses I know I know that in music festivals apparently they're becoming popular in EDM festivals mm-hmm. and things like that um, when you see that as a informed individual or as someone who who knows anything about um, a li- not just a little bit of the history of of the, the Native American genocide that happened in North America mm-hmm. you would you would know to laugh at those people right? You would know that those people just just the that they're wearing that they're wearing something that that is just stylistic has no meaning to them. I don't think it's that problematic. I think it's just like like choice, like they like it's just style. Oh, ju- just FYI, um, they dub themselves spiritual warriors because uh, wearing a headdress makes you a spiritual warrior, just like those natives that fought years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, if someone to, were to call themselves a spiritual warrior in my presence, I would I would try my best not to laugh at them. Personally, I like, like like if like I don't think I don't think the way you dress defines your spirituality. Um, I don't think I don't know. I just I like people dress. People have their individual style. They dress the way they want to dress. Um, your your of course your clothing could have meaning and your costumes could have meaning, but you know it's it's just clothes. Yeah. Well, like. <laughs> If we're talking about Halloween costumes, for example, every Halloween in the past maybe seven or eight years, I dress up as a pirate. I like dressing up as a pirate. I think it's fun. I like pirate history, pirate stories. I like to dress up as Blackbeard, who was a very who's a famous pirate, one of the most famous pirates, probably the most fav- famous um, pirate in in like ever known. <laughs> Yeah, like he's, he's become, you know, even the the first parts of the Caribbean character was based on him, even though he was apparently introduced in the series 
in the, the third or fourth movie. I stopped watching after the first movie, so I, I wouldn't know. Um, uh, so I, I specifically like to dress up as as Blackbeard, um, Captain Blackbeard. <laughs> and it suits you too. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I have a. Well, you have a great beard. Yeah, I have yeah, a, an I, actual I, beard. <laughs> yeah, I have a dark beard, so it's it's not it's not a it's not a stretch of the imagination that I, that that I would look like a pirate. It's such a fitting uh, idea. <laughs> Dressing up as a pirate doesn't mean that I go around like stealing people's shit. Like I don't do that, right? Like it's 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 Halloween. I'm dressing up as something else for fun. You so know? would it be okay for anybody to dress up as something else for fun? Cons- like you know, uh, well, like that they're uh, not entirely being directly offensive, as you said. Well, if you're dressing up, if you're dressing up and making a political statement with your with your costume whatever it is, whatever the political statement is, if the political statement is offensive, then you should reconsider what you're doing. But for a university to have a policy on this is, is ridiculous. Yeah, but then, then again, what is offensive? What is considered offensive? Well, 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 my, how do you define offensive? Because what's offensive to me may not be offensive to you. So how, how are people supposed to know? Is there like a guideline, like a book that says what is offensive and what isn't? Like what it's, should it's be said? Sense. What shouldn't be worn? It's common sense. I don't think the university I, should even warn. I feel like there are people that are ultra sensitive to these issues. I mean, I've, I don't find a lot of things offensive, which other people may find offensive. So Yeah. Well, okay. Well, what you said with, with, with students being ultra sensitive is interesting. Now, um, that just reminded me of, of, of a story I, I heard on a different podcast um, I think it was Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, I could be mistaken. Um, and I'm not going to get the specifics of the story perfect, but I'll just I'll just bring it up. So there was a, a feminist on uh, Professor Christina Summers. Well, she hasn't been a professor for a little while. She uh, she moved away from teaching um, and she was talking about how she was asked to speak at a certain university, whatever university that was. And her style of feminism is considered offensive to some other feminists. Um, she has a YouTube series called Feminist Fact Checking, where she where she uh, looks at the at the at the statistics that are often um, that are often published by 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 feminist journals or just spoken about in articles, and she looks at the statistics to see how correct they are, um, and she thinks that. Feminism isn't as big as a problem as certain feminists make it to be. And when I say that, she's, she's a feminist herself. She thinks that she's, she's looking for a place of equality, but she's not looking um, to promote female superiority, That's, which is just female chauvinism. So, so some, because some, I guess, social justice warriors or people with with that certain background is this extreme regressive left background consider her work to be offensive when she was invited to speak at this university she had to be escorted in and out of the building by security guards apparently a group of 15 students was so um offended by her presence um they were they it's called trigger warnings when you have this trigger warning that triggers you it's like a and it's also called a microaggression so basically this aggression of her being on campus and having a speech offended them enough that they had to resort to a safe space which was like a room with coloring books yeah. 
Yeah, it was a room with coloring books. Wait, wait, how exactly did she offend him again? Her presence, like her, her going to this university to speak. I don't know if it was after she was speaking and she said a couple of things that offended certain people on campus, a feminist male and female, um, or just her... Just her presence offends people? Just like the, the fact that the university um, allowed her to speak or invited her to speak um, offended certain people greatly. So, but they resorted to a safe space. Mm-hmm. And the safe space was a room with comfortable seating, couches perhaps. Okay, wait, how old are we? Are we five? And culling books. I'm sorry. I find this ridiculous. Come on. And apparently they brought a dog with them. I don't know if the dog was oh, part of... Oh, to calm their uh, their nerves down? Like, what? Or, or the question was, was the dog offended? The dog must have been very offended. You know, it seems like everybody in that know. room is just sensitive. Yeah, there's some dog whisper there that spoke to the dog and the dog, was, the, the dog told him very eloquently... Him or her. I keep on doing this gender problem. I'm sorry um, to all the listeners. Uh, Let's just say there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's or a, they. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk we'll talk more about gender. I think in another episode uh-huh. with, with with the whole with the whole genderless pronouns and and whatnot. Um, but they had to resort to a safe space, which which I think when it comes to feminism is a little is in itself offensive that that these pe- that um, that feminists could be so greatly offended themselves that they would have to resort to a safe space, that they would need somewhere where they could f- fill in culling books, books or s- sit on a couch and pout about something they just heard. Like, like we have, we really have to grow up when it comes to, to some of these issues. So, so that's a, so, so that, that's an, that's an interesting example. And, and it, it, it brought forth this question of whether or not the university should have disallowed her to speak. It kind of reminds me of the the other incident that happened with the um, holistic health. Sorry, um, the holistic health. Uh, sorry, not the holistic health. The naturopathic or alternative uh, professor who basically wanted to um, give a talk about alternative methods of medicine. Yeah, uh, just just just, um, just to point out, if you want to. Um, before before Renim continues with uh, with that incident, um, if you want to if you want to get a better account of the Christina Summers incident, then you could uh, tune into uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, the Joe Rogan Experience. And there's an episode there if you look through the archives um, that he speaks to uh, Christina Summers, and that gets you a, a much better idea. She she goes into the story into more depth, but um, but now um, now Renim. Yes, sorry. So um, she's a homeopath. I, I I apologize for previously calling her a naturopath, mm-hmm. <laughs> and her name is Beth Halpern. And so basically, she came to U of D to talk about alternative medicine and other forms of you know the su- vaccine substitutes, and people got so offended. Students got so offended. That by what she had to say because it went pretty much against uh, the conventional ideas and conventional knowledge of the, medicine. The scientific. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you know what I mean. It's it's it it has less scientific validity than somebody I guess who studied under a more conventional line of science. You know, homeopathy is something entirely new. 
well not new but as as a as a career thing it is new we've been practicing homeopathy for thousands of years your mom makes you chicken soup when you're sick like let's be real <laughs> so yeah so all these students um they they pretty much complained and they demanded that the university not allow her to speak this is an educated woman who specialized in alternative medicine and who has i, I believe other degrees um who was who got so much backlash for talking about something that is not conventional. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I remember the story, if I remember the story correctly, is she a professor at University of Toronto? Yeah, she's a health studies instructor. Okay, so she is a... teaches an alternative, uh, alternative medicine course at U of T. Okay, that's interesting. Um, Her husband's also dean, by the way, Rick Halpern. Oh, okay. Well, uh, whether or not husband's dean... Um, she studies. Um, I I could speak to this in in a less biased way because I personally think that ninety percent of the homeopathic holistic approach to to medicine is just nonsense. Personally, that's cool, Nick. You I know, know, how I, know I know Renim would disagree with me. Yeah, shout out to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I I think a lot of it is nonsense, but. It's up to the students to decide. I think is is, is the main is the main. No, point my concern is why are you dismissing something just because it does not line no. up with your beliefs? No, no, that that well, that's not the case. That but, but that is no, it's not why are you dismissing it. It's, They're dismissing her because no, saying, she's alternative. I, I know what you're saying, but what I'm saying is it's up to the students to decide. So you shouldn't disallow her to speak. You should let us speak and have the students decide whether or not her methods are valid, whether or not her methods are helpful, you know, whether or not they're just placebo effects. It's just it's, it's just plain and simple. It's up to the students to, to decide and disallowing her to speak isn't isn't very helpful. OK, I understand what you're saying, but you, the university is a space where you can engage in all sorts of topics, even if they don't line up with yours. So to t for students to go and demand that she be removed or she be stopped from speaking, that is, that is essentially repression of expression. How are you not allowing somebody to speak? I, well, I, I, see what you, I see what you mean there. They um, were offended. And again, I put offended in quotes. What are you offended about exactly? You're offended that somebody has a different opinion from yours? You're offended that somebody uh, views life differently and decides maybe to take a, a different course as to what you're normally taught? Well, see, that's my... Well, that's where we agree is I think it's, it's ridiculous that students were offended from this professor's presence, that, that, that just her speaking about her work is so offensive to them that, that they would want the university not to, uh, to disallow her to speak. And that, that, that's where we agree. Now, I don't, I don't, I, I think, like I said, I think, I think, um, uh, homeopathy is, is not, is not a great science or, or is not founded completely in science and is founded too much in But you still respect traditions. it. You Whether know? or not I respect it or not, I don't, I think that people are should be allowed to voice their opinion. And, and another thing um, is I would I would I would celebrate her being on campus because I don't know much about homeopathy. Absolutely. It's an educational experience. Yeah. So me seeing her speak wouldn't convince me to um, to engage in it. It would just 
teach me more about it. And if anything, um, it could even show me how ridiculous it is if I disagree with it. Like it would be a way that I could I could listen to her speak about it and just say, well, as a as an individual who is slightly informed and you know who like like who uses logic and I could weed out what she says and I could I could I could basically say, well, now that I know more about homeopathy, it's confirmed in my mind how ridiculous it is. Absolutely. At the very least, it could do that. There, there's always two sides to any debate. How can how are people so? F- well, how blind people, to see how, how that. How people engage in, in the debate if they don't allow the debate to happen? How is it that they're so molded into this one line of thinking and one way of being and mm. one way of existing that they don't allow other people who don't think the same or who don't look the same or act the same or believe in the same to speak what they want just because it's offensive? This is... Now, what happened in the end? Did the, did the university allow to speak? Um, I don't quite remember what happened, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, so, the, so I do remember there was a lot of student backlash. There was a whole forum of people, students, who were basically saying that she deserved to die because... <laughs> Did it go that far, really? Yeah, it went that far. It was horrible because she was um, apparently... Uh, she she made some claims that go against the vaccine industry and everybody was on the vaccine bandwagon and nobody allowed uh, you know debate to happen. There wasn't even room. Mm-hmm. When I tried to comment on that particular forum, I got so much backlash. People were telling me, that I was uneducated. People were telling me that I was stupid, that I was a risk to society because I wasn't, I wasn't up to par with the whole vaccine bandwagon. But how are you supposed to learn if you can't have different opinions engaging in a certain topic? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we so whether or not they they allow the the professor to speak or not, um, the the sensitivity of the students is, is was is problematic. Um, now I want to move on a little bit and talk about another case that just recently happened in Laurentian University, the university in Sudbury, Ontario, where, uh, professor, uh, Michael Persinger, um, has been, uh, suspended over a statement of understanding that he asks his students to sign if they take his course which is psychology course. I think it's a second year psychology course. Um, and on and on the actual statement of understanding, it does say this course is rated R for course language and explicit content. It's entertaining to see that. Um, and there's um, a list of different words that this professor could use. Um, I'm looking at it now. So some examples are pussy, fuck. Um, there's some other ones that not that offensive. I guess like precarious, forensic, solipsism. But there are offensive ones like shit faces on there. Satan is on there. Stupidity. And the only one of all these words that I find problematic is the word fag is on there as well or fag, I just can't pronounce it very properly. So um, uh, fag is a word that I, I barely say, so I... It's disgusting. It's not... Um, the pronunciation of it could be a little difficult for me. Um, so this professor has been teaching for a long time. Apparently he's been giving out this form for over a decade, this statement of understanding. And um, 
uh, from what I understand, a student complained, and this student's complaint was able to allow whatever board that was above him to suspend him from teaching this course. It's horrible. Um, and this has made this has made headlines and national news in Ontario. So, Nick, you're saying that a professor got suspended because he uses profanity and because he issued a letter of consent to warn the students prior to him using these words profanity during yeah. his lectures. Well, it's a it's a statement of understanding is what it's called. So it's basically telling the students it's it's a warning to the students that he will be using offensive language in his course. Mm-hmm. Um because he he uh, he believes that using this language um, helps students um, develop certain skills about you know what about like uh, the real life the real world well yeah it's it, it, it pretty much pretty much something something like that um, he does he does um, he does offer the students to take the course with a different instructor if they're infe- if they're offended by it um, interestingly enough. What happens more often in this university, according to the number of articles I read, was students transfer to his lectures rather than the other way around because they're a lot more interesting because he uses because um, he has a very unique style of teaching and he'll 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 sometimes use profanity. I wish I could meet him. <laughs> yeah, well, I've I've been into I've been in classes where profanity's been used by the professor. Do you get offended by it? No, um, I've heard. I took this. There's this one professor, Professor D'Souza, Ronnie D'Souza. Great professor, by the way. Yeah, he teaches. He's a philosophy professor at the University of Toronto. He teaches at the University of Toronto Scarborough. He teached first year philosophy of ethics um, for a number of years. My understanding is he's a retired professor that that teaches um, courses on contract. And I, I took a course that he taught um, the philosophy of sexuality. He was teaching that on, on two different campuses of the University of Toronto. And he used some offensive words. We didn't have to sign a letter of understanding, but he told us on the first class, this is not a quote, this is me paraphrasing, but he said, I'll use words like fuck, dick, prick, and everything in between, um, and you'll have to you like 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 if you don't approve of these words, and this course isn't for you because I will use these type of words. He said that in the first lecture. He used he when he talked about sexual intercourse, he pointed out that sexual intercourse, sex, and sexual intercourse is such a broad word, encompasses so many different things depending on your gender, depending on just what you like. That, that what he will call sex is fucking, and that's in every lecture we heard the we heard him say fucking many times because he'd be like, well, if two people are fucking, then this would ha- then this we could draw this conclusion from this, and so he would he would use that that word because he thought it 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 better defined the action of sexual intercourse, um and. He said sometimes some things even more offensive religiously. Like there's this one class where he was talking about the Catholic Church and 
um, St. Thomas Aquinas and <coughs> the philosophy that Thomas Aquinas wrote regarding sexuality, which is not much, but he was regarding sexuality and sin. And it was this idea, it, it was, it was this old Catholic idea of the time that, you know, if you were to rape a woman, it would be a violation of property, right? Because woman is a man's property. So like the idea was if you, if you rape a single woman, you're violating the father's property. If you rape a married woman, you're violating the, the husband's, property. husband's property. And if you rape a nun, you're violating God's property. So basically woman is um, property. <laughs> so either you're a daughter or you're married to a man or to God. Um, according to Thomas Aquinas, obviously this is very old and, and, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not, not, a, I'm not Catholic, nor am I a Catholic theologian. So I can't speak to the Catholic church's current opinion on, on the status of, of women in rape. Although I'm, I'm sure that it's that the Catholic church is very much against rape. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. they're not. Um, but it's interesting when he was telling us about Thomas Aquinas's um, opinion on, on on rape and 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 the violation of of a, a nun, which would be God's property. He says he said something along these lines, and he used these exact words. Like he didn't use these exact words, but these are the way, the way he, he used these offensive words. He said, "I find it funny that God and all His power has to marry all these women." Right. He's like, he said, I find it funny that God with all his power just can't get enough cunt. <laughs> this was, this was ex- and my eyes widened and it's not because I was he offended. He is outspoken. <laughs> it's not because I was offended. It was because I was just surprised and I was looking around the class. looking. So blunt. I was looking around the class and I was thinking, shit, is anybody here Catholic? Like, does that, does that offend Anyone here so gravely? And, and I mean, I know it doesn't offend me, and I'm Catholic myself. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I am Christian Orthodox, um, but the Christian Orthodox Church doesn't recognize Thomas Aquinas as a saint, and um, also doesn't recognize his his theology that he wrote. Um, but but besides that, it it could be very offensive to some Catholics, but no one no one no one said anything. And I know he's taught this course in the past and he doesn't have any complaints charged towards him. And also, he's also tenure professor. He's professor emeritus, distinguished professor emeritus. So can I bring something up? I remember we, we discussed this once. Do you think nobody said anything because this was a direct hit against Christians and, uh, Apparently now we're allowed to publicly and freely criticize oh, Christian yeah. institutions. So that, 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 that's another that's another interesting part of the discussion is that is that you know it's you get a free pass if you if you offend Christians almost so you could say you could speak negatively against you Christians. can draw pictures the most offensive pictures of Christians of Jesus and nobody is nobody bats an eyelid pretty much. Well, yeah. Well, well I remember hearing about this in in an interview with, uh, with Sam Harris and, um, and he was talking about the Charlie Hebdo shootings. And as uh, many of our listeners know, uh, Charlie Hebdo's headquarters were massacred. Um, basically these gunmen came in who claimed to be, uh, uh, members of Al Qaeda from Yemen ended up shooting, a, um, a number of cartoonists and from Charlie Hebdo, and um, the this is absolutely atrocious. Like the, the violence in, in, involved in, in 
in offensive cartoons, cartoons of the, the Prophet Muhammad. Um, whether or not they're offensive doesn't matter. It's just the fact that you don't limit freedom of speech. But interesting, Sam Harris pointed out that he saw another cartoon in response to the shooting, and it was, it was like an orgy involving Jesus and Buddha and various Jewish prophets and just a whole. It, just, it was a very sexually profane cartoon about with all these other religious figures and how there was no backlash, right? So this idea that if you that that especially when it comes to Christianity that you could say something offensive about Christianity. And get away with it. Not not get away with it. You you're not you're definitely not um, targeted. You, no, you're not. And which is which which is great, in my opinion. I think absolutely. Like like, absolutely. like that's why I wouldn't use the word get away with it. Well, I, okay, yeah, I take that back. You know, um, uh, for example, Sam Harris wrote um a book, a letter to a Christian nation, where he re- he received obviously mail and emails of, of, of certain people that didn't like his arguments, but he, he wasn't, he, he says that he didn't feel very threatened, but when he, when he started speaking more about Islam, that's when, that's when he was feeling, um, um, a lot more offended. So, um, it's, it's interesting that, that if you come from a group of a visible minority, your, I guess, I guess, universities, um, the media, uh, left um, institutions that are generally um, swing far to the left. They they protect offensiveness um, for visible minorities to an extent that I think is is actually offensive in a reverse way almost like they can't is if you come from one of these groups um you're marginalized and you can't take the heat you know you can't you can't be offended mm-hmm. you can't handle it which i think is in turn offensive i think so it's so what, what are you trying to say some humans are capable are are, are based on their color are, are capable of handling offensive content versus others like yeah it's it's it's, it's interesting that 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 we that it goes to this uh this extent um so back to uh back to the professor michael persinger so he he was suspended because apparently a student from what i read a student it could have been a number of students but from what i understand it was, it was one or a few students complained about this letter and this this has suspended him from teaching which is which is outrageous Absolutely. Um, where his whole career got thrown away. This is years and years of academia. Yeah. Well. Well. He could still be doing research. We don't know exactly. But the the point is his his ability to teach students to try to inform students about about psychology, and using certain words that could be offensive for whatever whatever reasons. He like he, he thinks that enhances education. And according to some of his previous students, um, some previous students actually did report that um, it didn't have education. A lot of a lot of his previous students that have graduated and lead other careers said that that they remember his course, that his cor- that his course, his teaching style using the amount of profanity that he uses in the context that he uses is helpful. He uses it in a way that 
that enhances their education. And because a student has been offended, he can't he can't teach that content anymore. So I think that's absolutely problematic, you know? Reem? Absolutely. I totally completely agree with you. So it comes down to I guess the the last I guess what wraps this whole thing up is a discussion about the difference between freedom of speech and freedom to get offended mm-hmm. from getting offended. Um, so we've gotten to this point where we don't promote freedom of speech as much as we, we should. You absolutely are free to go on campus, work there and say what you want to say. But we have a point where we where we where, where as you can see, professors are suspended or I didn't even mention in, in Erica Christakis's case in Yale um, from all of the controversy surrounding her and the outrage, she she ended up resigning from a post. Um, it's horrible. You, you have all these creative minds resigning and, and pushed away because people are offended. Yeah, so it's just this, this idea of whether or not, whether, whether you, you should be free from getting offended. Which is which is which is ridiculous. So, I mean, Nick, you know what? Going back to that, I I completely agree with what you say about um, the repression expression. When I was going to campus, there was a lot of things that I wanted to say in lectures that I was unable to say because I knew that I would get backlash for saying it, um, just because maybe it does not agree with the dominant discourse that everybody somehow seems to be agreeing on. Well. It's interesting that you said that. Um, I remember the one encounter I had with the student. This was actually what, um, sp- which actually sparked me, which made me want to write on feminism. This one, it was some kind of social situation on campus, and um, this one, this one woman, um, this one student, she said, "All men are assholes." And I'm like, "Well, excuse me, like, as a feminist, I don't think that's that's." very appropriate right i think that's 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 actually counterintuitive to i actually do remember that story clearly (laughs) yeah so so she's like all men are assholes i'm like and i tell her well you know that's not that's not from coming from a feminist background that's not very it's not very fair you can't generalize almost 3.5 billion people and and lump them under the category asshole i mean that is that in itself is offensive no, but well (laughs) well then i'm like well you you can't really say that that's not it's not very fair and she's like shut up don't give me that male equity bullshit and then i looked around and everyone was like shaking their heads at me as if because i i tried to promote this idea that men and women are equal from from a feminist perspective but they didn't know i was a feminist and that's fine but i was just trying to promote the idea that men and women are equal and we shouldn't call men assholes and we shouldn't call women offensive things and we can't generalize that you have certain men that are assholes you have certain women that are assholes you know you have you have bad people but you can't you can't take an entire gender and paint them bad and the attitude I got after she's like don't give me that male equity bullshit like like I'm not supposed to like I wasn't supposed to speak socially in the circle around me she was agreed with they were shaking their heads at me not at her so it seems like I said something so offensive right and I was asked not to speak and then I wrote that article not that article, it was a blog post. And 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 again, I, I got a little bit of uh, of backlash from that. Um 
And I just I just wanted to talk a little bit about freedom of speech versus freedom of getting your feelings hurt. And it reminds me um, of the Greek word moron, which we hear in English often, moron, right? Uh, moron does come from the Greek word moron, which was, which is a gender neutral word. Um, it translates to uh, foolish. Um, it is also used in a modern context. Um, we use it for a child, like a moron is a is a child. So we call a child a moron, and also and it 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 what it literally translates to is foolish. So if you are so offended from people's opinions that are just just simple opinions that aren't even offensive, then you are a fucking moron. <laughs> I like I well I choose that I choose my words carefully when I say that. Oh, that's excellent word wordplay, Nick. <laughs> no, it's 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 gender neutral. It applies to it could apply to anybody. But you are a moron. You're foolish. You're childish. If you can't get your feelings hurt, if you're so afraid of getting your feelings hurt, some of the most offensive things that I've heard have opened my eyes. I was very religious growing up. I was I was raised in a very Christian family. I was very religious on a personal um, extent when I was in high school. I, I wanted to become a priest. I, I I was very close to applying to a seminary. I had all my forms filled out. I talked to some of the talked to the bishop that was in charge of the school. I ended up not going to the school and trying to pursue pursue a, a University of Toronto degree, which I think is a lot more broad and interesting. But in studying. Um, philosophy and religion there were certain arguments that at first offended me but then kind of opened my eyes to different ideas so I, so when I was thrown out of my comfort zone I, I ended up learning more and we got to, we get to a point where you can't have these open discussions students are just too offended if if the example I brought in with Christina Summers and her her speech at, at a university, if you don't agree with her ideas, that's fine. But she's she's inviting a different angle to the argument of feminism. It's an it's it's an angle that I agree with. I think we should look at statistics more clearly and exp and have them explain better. And even if I disagreed with them, then then it keeps the debate alive right it keeps Absolutely. um it's it's something it's 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 from a point where we can learn mm -hmm. right but we're getting to a point where 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 students are trying to get these institutions to ban certain speakers can i can i just comment um this is a term that is coined as virtue signaling and it's when these uh let's say left-wing political social activists think that they're doing the right thing by calling out every little thing that they find offensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So virtue signaling. Um, I just want the term to catch on not that I coined it, uh, but it is um, gaining popularity. Okay. Well, well, okay. If you want to talk terms, there's a lot of things we can talk about like virtue signaling. I never really heard that, but yeah, exactly. It's today is actually the first day I, I heard that. <laughs> well, 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 things like microaggressions, mm -hmm. 
um, are important to, to understand. Yeah, like virtue signaling comes from the idea that people write and say things to indicate that they're virtuous and that they're they're standing on the right side of, of humanity and fighting for people. Oh, yeah, this is this is funny. I've, I've heard about things like this. Um, I'll, so <clears throat> it's a, a lot of male feminists get this. Um, and and it's funny because I'm kind of on the edge with with um, with, with this kind of commentary. I'm actually disappointed in so many male feminists because I, as a, as a feminist myself and and cisgendered white male feminist, um, I I like to talk about um, equality between men and women, which is what classic feminism is about, right? It's about um, the enlightenment, the feminism and the enlightenment was about you know women's freedom of speech, women's freedom to vote, women's freedom to do anything a man could do, which I'm completely for. I consider myself a feminist because I I promote equality. But then we have these other men that call themselves feminists and take it way too far. Making like these like the one that I find most funny is when when you see a male feminist on a YouTube channel saying something like, on behalf of all men, I apologize for all that men have done and the atrocities. And it's like, no, I'm a man. If you're talking on behalf of all men, you're talking about me. I don't do that. I don't, I don't do the things you're saying. I don't marginalize women. I don't disrespect women. I treat women with equal respect that I treat men. Um, Yep. Yeah. I can attest to that. Yeah, well, the women in my life could attest to that, although that's anecdotal, whatever. But, but not all men are bad, and not all men have been bad. Absolutely, you can't. Absolutely, you, you cannot. You can't, you can't lump people into a category. You can't lump an ethnicity. Just well, like, you, you know what's funny? This this woman that said all men are pigs or whatever assholes. If 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 somebody said um, all women are whiny. Or sensitive. Or all women are pigs. They or all the, women are pigs. They use the same. Or same all black language. people do this. Or all Asians do that. If you if you yourself had stereotyped anything like that, she would have broken you down and ripped you apart, ripped you to shreds, telling you not to generalize and not to lump everybody under one category just because some people follow that distinctive trait. And and that's exactly what I was. Sh- trying to like 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 propose to her is that you shouldn't do that i know because right if, if, if she if she if she if i did say something offensive towards towards women towards uh like uh racial minority mm-hmm. or anything like that then she should have complained to me and, and 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 ripped whatever i said to pieces um but the fact is i was telling her not to do that when it comes to men um which goes back to the, what you were saying earlier about people shouldn't be judged based on who, like what they look like, their attributes, but based on the content. What you were saying was so enriching that if anybody else had said it, that she might have found culturally appealing, she would have completely agreed with them. She'd be like, yeah, you're right. You know, coming, f- you know, if, if I had said something, if I said, yo, I don't agree with you, I don't think she would have ripped me apart like she would have ripped you apart. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm a female, and somehow that gives me uh, some validity um, over uh, pre- d- pretty much justifying what she said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just like in, in in the blog post. What about feminism? You shouldn't judge someone based on gender. You should judge someone based on the content of the character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And 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 when it comes to this, I'm I'm talking about 
uh, more what people' opinions are and what 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 someone would write in a blog post or on a, or or would speak on a podcast. I'm saying, don't judge that person. Judge the content of what they're saying. Um, and that's what's more was important. And and as Renee pointed out, it's not difficult to imagine that if the same thing that I said was coming out of the mouth of a woman or a woman of a visible minority or someone that's that's, that's, that's that's more marginalized than I am, then it would have been granted more validity. You know, it would have been more of a discussion and not... It would have been definitely more of a discussion. And it wouldn't have been just the shutdown of don't give me that bullshit. You're a man, you don't get to talk. It, yeah, it was pretty much that idea. It was that, pretty much that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she was saying without saying that because I'm a man, I can't talk about this issue because he's a man he can't defend women mm-hmm. just like those people because you know some people are this they can't stand for that just because you're you know white you can't stand for black lives matter that's not true man yeah there, this this shouldn't like this discussion of race we shouldn't even looking at this point in our lives especially living in a can a country like canada that's so multicultural why are you even still looking at like a skin color when it comes to people's validity do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, it's it's it's, it's racism in the other direction. It's, it's, still... it's totally reverse racism. Yeah, it's... and then when you call people out, they say, "Well, just because I'm a marginalized body, I can't be racist." But that's bullshit. Yeah, of course you can be racist. Of course you can. Be, of course, women that that promote female chauvinism, which is what I call regressive, newfangled feminism. I don't consider it feminism. I consider not it, at all. I'm a yeah. feminist, and I find those kind of feminists ridiculous. Yeah, and and the, especially like I was saying, especially those male feminists that will will call themselves as absolute feminists to apologize on behalf of men and say how men, women deserve all this other stuff because men have been bad in the past and whatever. It's like no, let's get to a point of equality. Let's not say that one gender is better than the other. Um, let's let's get the facts straight on the wage gaps. You know, there are wage gaps. Often, certain feminists say it's not as bad as we make it to be. Others say it's worse. Let's get the facts straight on the wage gaps. Let's get the facts straight on, on actual pressing feminist issues, not issues of the past. Let's not focus on how how women weren't allowed to vote. In North America, in all liberal democracies, women are allowed to vote. In most liberal democracies, women have the same rights of, as men. But let's talk about the social issues that don't allow women to fl- flourish in certain ways that, that men do. Let's talk about whatever we need to talk about to get us to a point where women and men are given equal opportunity. In, in every in every side of the spectrum, you know, let's, 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 we need to, we need to, and in order to do that, we need to be able to freely express our opinions. To not have that fear of offending someone. To not have that fear of freedom of offensive content we want what we want is just freedom of speech we want to be able to freely speak and the point of the matter is universities or institutions like that shouldn't put limits to students expressions when you would like to add to that um, I, I love that. <laughs> if I could applaud you right now, I'd applaud you. I, I, I completely agree with you. There shouldn't be, it's in our constitution, <laughs> you know, well, we it's in our very charter of rights and freedoms mm-hmm. to, to have the freedom to express ourselves. So 
where where in that which part of that don't students get yeah and even even if it's not even if it wasn't in our charter of rights or freedom just the very idea that we go to these institutions we go to these institutions to learn you don't learn by engaging in one debate you learn by engaging multiple debates with multiple arguments mm-hmm. different yeah. perspectives and just just if there's one thing that i want to end on there's one idea is that just absolutely allow freedom of speech the bad people the people that are racist the people that are offensive the people that rightfully should be ignored will be ignored because you know just seeing them hearing them talk you know that there's no validity to what they're saying there's no truth it's just pure bigotry What, what we need is just proper education you know students need to learn that everyone is equal everyone should be treated equally you know we should learn about a little bit about biology of race and how there's no differences between races and how there's no differences there's differences between men and women physically yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely there are differences we you can't deny that men generally there are women that are much larger much stronger than me many women that are much stronger than me i'm not i'm not i'm that strong mm-hmm. and there's the but generally men tend to be a little bit larger and a little bit stronger than women absolutely um women i think tend to be a little i wouldn't want to be as strong or as tall as you i love being the frame that i have yeah but women from from what i've heard tend to be slightly more intellectual than men whatever the case is I know more women graduate from universities every year than men yeah so whatever whatever the case has been in that the abilities the mental abilities of of, of men and women we should be taught that they're completely the same because they are you know absolutely so men tend to uh flourish in certain um areas of life er- that women don't and vice versa and exactly so so there are small biological differences but in but our intellectual capacities are more or less the same so we need to understand that that through the education system that needs to be that needs to be promoted, that men and women are equal, that all races are equal, that people from different sexual orientations are equal, that people from different religions are equal. That needs to be understood. We need to end bigotry. And from that point on, the freedom of expression will flourish. Will allow people to weed out people that are offensive. If if people are bigots then an educated society would understand their biggest and won't pay give them any attention. And we can rise out of this hatred and this devi- divisiveness that seems to be separating all of us. Um, instead of, you know, my what I urge students to do, based on my experience, is allow people to speak freely. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like what the, what you're hearing, mm-hmm. it's still their opinion. They're still going to have it at the end of the day when they go home. No matter what you say... Even when you shut me down and I'm afraid to speak up in class and talk about my real experiences and my real opinions, I'm still going to be feeling them. It's not going to change a thing. So you might as well engage with a student rather than shut them down and repress them and call them stupid for thinking something other than what you seem to be thinking. Pretty much like your common line of thought. So what we're basically doing here is we're just promoting the freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So... And and let me let me just point out, Nick and I, we don't get along in many like ways. You know, he doesn't agree with a lot of what I have to say. You don't see me getting offended by anything he has to say to me. He never debunks any of my 
arguments. I never debunk any of his arguments. We completely respect each other's opinions, even well, if our opinions well, are completely different. Well, we will we will try to um, persuade each other in the opposite direction. But if you we're having tear me down. if we're having a debate, you want to insult me? Would you? Can would you insult me for having? Well, a I would opinion? break down some of your opinions absolutely but i would never insult you we would engage yeah that's what you would do you exactly. would constructively engage with me yeah so this is exa- exactly the point so so that so what we need and when it co- on on an institutional level what we're, what we're asking for is just freedom of speech it's just for institutions not to disallow behavior disallow speech try to like for example coming down so hard on the Yale professor for her for her asking students to be able to express themselves or suspending um uh professor Prisinger in uh in Lawrence University for his offensive language just allow this to occur allow freedom of speech and the students will decide and whatever consumer on the other end even if it's not in a university that consumer will decide how valid the points are and and whether or not they gained anything from it. So I want to end on that note. I think it's a positive note promoting freedom of speech. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what we do in liberal democracies. That's what we do in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um this that's what that's what students do. That's what well, the, <laughs> educated the, people. The United States of America is a much larger audience, and I know that that their um, their Bill of Rights is based on freedom of speech. So we're going to end on that. And Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our first episode of our podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and and finally, just speak your mind. Be true to yourself. Don't be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. <laughs> I have a, a different opinion on that. Great. That's for another discussion, though. <laughs> That's for another discussion. But until then, just speak your mind. Get your ideas out there. Um, just to end, um, I'm not a very big on social media, so this is this is the opportunity to promote social media, but Reneem is a little more into that. So Okay. Hi, guys. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram at universal underscore soul underscore seeker hope to see you soon so that's a universal soul seeker all with underscores and um uh you could read my blog even though it's very not it's not full at all um it's only has under construction (laughs) yeah so my ideas will be coming to it soon it is nicholas the skeptic dot wordpress dot com nicholas spelled n-i-c-o-l-a-s Yes, uh, I will in the description. I'll I'll provide um, the URL for my blog, and of course, if you want to email the show, the podcast, um, the email for it is subconsciously speaking at gmail dot com, and the website for this podcast is subconsciously speaking dot net. There you could find all the episodes and all the information that you need to find about our podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week on Subconsciously Speaking. Mike.